Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweid & Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweid & Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Merry Christmas, Rev. And the same to you, Brad. How's, uh, how's yours going? Uh, well, the nice thing about being a Jewish man who doesn't celebrate Christmas is it always goes great. There's no pressure. <laughs> Me- there's no, there's nothing on the line. I, mean, I don't have to see family. I, I went to a party on Christmas Eve and got just completely hammered. And next day, didn't have to wake up early and do anything. Just chilled and recovered from my hangover until I went to the movies later on. And it's also nice because I, so I was by myself for dinner Christmas Eve, which is rare. But I ordered way more Chinese food than I needed, and I made sure to order egg foo young because the next morning. I turned it into breakfast Chinese food. I wrapped all my leftovers, including my egg foo young. I added some avocado in a wrap, and it was this delicious thing that was probably the most calorically heavy meal I've had all year. I'm not saying I have anything against like your culture or religion, but for the first time ever, I thought, man, I wish I was a Jew on Christmas. When I saw the photo of that on your Instagram page, yeah, dude, because <laughs> I was like, I wanted to smash that into my face. It was so delicious. It was. It was egg foo young, avocado, boneless spare ribs, some chicken fried rice. It was really good. That sounds that sounds wonderful. How how's how's Michigan? How's visiting the fam? Uh, good. So I have totally the opposite as you. It's go to visit this family, go to visit that family, go to visit this friend, go to that dinner, cook this dinner. And so I'm having stereotypical uh, Anglo-Saxon <laughs> Christian Christmas. So yeah, it, awesome. it's good. There was a there's a massive storm that rolled in today. Um, but I had some, uh, I had a good burger last night. I'm feeling good about my Christmas. Awesome. Um, so we're not going to do a regular show today. There's no guest. Uh, we figure this is the time of year. A lot of people probably aren't paying that close attention to podcasts and you probably don't want to have to, um, you know, we try to make this fun for you, but we don't want to have to teach you anything right now. So we're just going to talk about burgers and about what we think is going to happen in the burger world in 2016. And Rev, uh, why don't you just talk a little bit about the monster burger that you posted online today and then, <laughs> and then uh, tell us a bit about burgers in 2016. I was going to save that for another episode, but we can get into it. It's just, uh, just, just a brief, just, I, I don't know. It's timely. It's on the internet right now. <laughs> so I went to a restaurant in Lansing, Michigan called Meat Barbecue and Carnivore Cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- full reveal, my best friend in the entire universe owns it. Um, but he's kind of like a barbecue sa- savant. And they have this sandwich on the menu, and I've been threatening for years to get it. And this year, I was like, I, this is actually the text I sent him. I need to eat the boss log because my Instagram needs the likes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 18 layers, quote unquote, of pure metal on a bun. Uh, it's pork brisket, two burger patties, bacon, fries, gravy, cheddar, American, pepper jack cheese, hot garlic sauce, jalapenos, and a sunny side egg. And it has to be held together by two sticks, and it comes with a side, which is almost like a joke. So I was like, oh, mac and cheese. How many? This is the only question. We can talk more about what it tastes like and stuff at another time. But just how many people have ordered this thing before? He says they, they go through probably five or six of them a week. Holy crap! Yeah. That's a lot more than I was expecting. Yeah, so if you, if you follow me on uh, Instagram... It's uh, my name, Rev CN, so you can see it. I'll also post it on the Schweid Sons Instagram here in a day or two. So if, if you want to see what this thing looks like, get, get on Instagram and look up the boss log for Meat Barbecue in Lansing. Yeah, well, that actually segues in pretty nicely to, to what I think is going to be, unfortunately, a very big trend in burgers in the United States in 2015, 2016. I'm not going to get used to that for a while. Uh, 
2015 is um is these monster burgers and um you know they i think we went through a phase of monster burgers in the states before of like food challenges thank you adam richmond um but i think i think it's coming back because this australian monster burger i call them cronenbergers because they look like david cronenberg body horror movie images to me (laughs) um these Cronenbergers are are getting these Australian burger Instagram accounts a ton of likes. So people like me who want to jump on that bandwagon, and obviously people like you who openly admit they want to jump on that bandwagon, are posting them. And I think, I mean, I'm already starting to see it happen. The Grayson did a, a Cronenberger for Star Wars. It was called the Force Burger. It had lightsabers sticking out of it, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, and I, actually, I was told it was very delicious for those who actually had the, the guts to go down and try it. I don't know. I'm not stoked about this one because I think like it did before, I think it's going to get out of hand. I, I agree with you. I, uh, okay. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you know Joe, uh, Joe DiStefano, but he writes a blog, um, uh, based in about food in Queens called chopstick and chopsticks and marrow. And Joe is kind of like the authority on food in Queens. And he came to me one day and said, you know, Rev, can I get you to write a, a guest post on my blog? And I said, well, sure. What do you want to do? And he goes, well, I do sandwich Wednesdays. And I want you to write about the sandwich that you ate when you were at the Waffle House. And I was like, it's not really a great sandwich. Like the Waffle House, is, it's wonderful. It's awesome. But it's intended like late night, cheap, whatever. But I went there and I took like an omelet and I took the hash browns that were covered, smothered, diced, whatever, and a grilled cheese. And I put them all into one and I cracked a yolk on it. And you know, it was like the most amazing looking food on the planet, but it really wasn't like this gourmet high quality, but I got tons of likes out of it. So the article I wrote to, to what you're saying was, uh, I think that Instagram has ruined the sandwich because yeah. people want the likes. They want to, they want to get the, the followers. They want to get the, they want to get those. And I mean, you, you, you know, as well as I do, if I put a burger or any, if I put a slice of pizza or a salad on my Instagram page or the Schweiden Sons Instagram page, and it's just kind of plain Jane looking, what happens? Not a, you don't, you don't get a, you, you get, you know, you get 50, 60 likes you and, and I end up texting each other. Why am I not getting any likes? And then it's like, Oh, because right. I didn't, I didn't have like, you know, an alligator jaw and, you know, seven pounds of, of raclette and uh, you know, a lightsaber sticking out of it. Yeah. I don't know if the lightsaber gets you that many likes, although maybe last <laughs> week, at least that was a good movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm kind of bummed because I, I actually, I think my number one burger of the year was from Joe's. On the Upper West. It's a great burger. It's a great burger, but it's just a bacon cheeseburger. At most, it's one patty. It's eight ounces, but it's one patty. It's a piece. It's a couple pieces of bacon. It's some cheese. It's There's nothing. I actually got some okay feedback and some okay engagement on those photos. It's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I don't, I don't want this to turn into a free-for-all crazy thing. But it's out of my hands. Yep. Well, I think following what you said, I think another trend that we're going to see in 2016 for burgers is actually also the exact opposite. And that there's going to be people out there like you and I that like just want a a burger with cheese and maybe some onions. And I I know that George Motes would absolutely agree with us that that there's going to be those people who are pushing for the Instagram Cronin burger. And then there's going to be people that be like, I don't want that. I just want like onions and lettuce or I just want cheese and mustard or I just want something simple. Yeah. So I, I obviously I think you're right. And actually it seems to me like consumers will want regular consumers will want smaller, not even smaller, but simpler burgers and Instagram people of which there are many will want Cronenbergers 
And I wonder if that disconnect between the consumer and the marketing side of things will create a, a schism and a, maybe even a problem for restaurants. Um, I don't, you know, it might, it, it may or may not, but like, look, I, you know, I was talking to the guys from Kuma's Corner who are known for these extreme, extreme burgers. And they said that throughout the years, no matter what happens, what sandwich they create, how weird they get, the number one seller is the, the, the regular cheeseburger. This is also what I respect about Kuma's though, is they, yes, they have their crazy, large, extreme burger creations, but they also get extreme in different ways. Like Kuma's Corner has crazy spicy burgers, which are a regular size. They're just spicy as hell. And that's actually what I liked about Island Burgers up on the Upper West Side is it's less about how much it stacks. And their claim is we have a spicy burger. It's the spiciest burger in New York. Come try it. And I, I, I just want people to be getting extreme if they're going to get extreme in different ways. Yeah, I, I think that you're going to see in 2016, you're going to have the overly simplified burger mm-hmm. and you're going to have the in crazy instant, you know, the, the, what'd you call it? The Gutenberger. Cronenberger. Cronenberger. Steve Gutenberg was never extreme. The Gutenberger. <laughs> um, you had a, you had another trend you were thinking of. I do. I think, uh, I think that you're going to start to see, and this is definitely on trend in New York city and, and generally what kind of seems to start there spreads outward. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more dry aged burgers in 2016. I'm all for that. It, you know, I can go either way. There are times that I eat it that I'm like, God, this is amazing. And there are times that I eat it that I'm like, mm, I didn't need that. The only time that I eat it, I mean, if I, did, if I don't think ahead of time that I need it, I'm not going to get it. Mostly because it's a pretty big hit on your wallet. No one's serving a $10 dry aged burger. The only time that I go for it when I can afford it is when I'm not going to be spending a lot of money or when I know I'm going to be spending a lot of money. So it's an event burger for me, but I like that there'll be more places. Like I love Emily, but I don't always want to go to Emily and I love, I can't even think of where else I've had a dry age burger. That's the one that always comes to my mind. Mineta Tavern. I like Mineta a lot, but I've only been there twice for a reason. American cuts dry age, isn't it? Uh, I think so. But I went to, I went, well, you actually didn't come with us, but we went to the Porter house in, uh, in uh, Columbus Circle a couple weeks ago. And How have- much are you going to guilt me about the fact that I didn't go with you to Porterhouse? <laughs> I had to work. <laughs> they have two burgers there. One is a 28-day dry-aged uh, prime burger, and the other is just like ground chuck double stack. Mm-hmm. And we ate both of them, and they were both wonderful, and I would definitely recommend either of them. You know, And the Mater D came over. He's like, what do you think? And I was like, you know what? I didn't actually like that flavor in the dry aged burger. I want that in your steak. Like if I'm here, I want a steak that tastes that way. And I preferred the regular bar burger. Um, but you're right. At, if, if, if at Emily, like I want that, like I want exactly that. So you bring up an interesting point and I've written about this quite a bit. I don't think that a steakhouse is the right place for a burger period. I'm not saying they don't, they can't do it well, although often they don't, but I think there's this misconception that a steakhouse, because they know meat so well, will always have the best burger. But a steakhouse, and I think rightly so, focuses on steak. It should focus on steak. And leave the burger to someone who can really care for that burger. And at Emily, I know that they want pizza to be their main thing. But I'm sorry, Matt Highland, you make a sick burger. <laughs> True. <laughs> and that's the, that's the meat that he makes best. And he's not also making steak best. Um, well, have you... So some steak restaurants are buying preformed or pre-ground meat, 
right? Mm-hmm. But others are using trim from steaks to make their burgers. Have, you, ha, have you made a distinction between the two or? Well, no, because I don't always ask, but I know Minetta does that, and I think that Minetta's burger is wonderful, but I actually, I think it's pretty clear that Minetta's burger is their big draw, whereas when we went to Keen's, I don't know, how, like, how does Keen's do their burger, because I found that one really disappointing. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't ask either, but I do think, like, if a steakhouse is just using their, a way to use their trim, like they're being uh, thrifty, mm-hmm. if you will, generally those burgers aren't super awesome. Um, but if they're sourcing a burger, um, like Bobby Vans in Midtown, I don't know if you've been to, to BV Burger, um, they're actually sourcing the ground beef. So they're trying to make a really good burger. Right. But that being said, you can do, you can be thrifty and just be using the trim and still make a great burger. I went out to Fleischer's in Greenwich, Connecticut, and they're just using the trim, but they're not just using the trim because this guy's also getting so creative with these burgers and they're incredible. He's using he's using the trim for the ground beef, but then he's also using bacon ends to grind into the ground beef for the bacon, egg, and cheese burger. So he's there's a lot of thought and care going into the burger. I just think that I guess my point is uh, it's I think it's pretty clear when you go to a, a steakhouse whether or not the burger is an afterthought. Yes. Um, I yeah. think you did a nice segue there into another trend that I think is going to happen next year. Lay it on me. Uh, more than one item grind into the beef. I think you're going to see a lot more like bacon and beef grinds and cheese grinds and mushroom grinds. Like I think that the, the uh, technically that's called a gourmet burger. Uh, but I think you're going to see a lot more of, of people messing with uh, what goes into the grind. So I've had a couple of these burgers this year, like the one I just mentioned, and my number two burger of the year, which was at Almond Tribeca, which had roast beef ground right into the patty. Those that two guys, had, yeah, it was. Those two, uh, Fleischer's and, and Almond, they both did it really well. I could see there being a lot of room for, for really screwing up a burger this way. Well, yeah, but you could make that argument that any burger could be screwed up. <laughs> sure, okay, well, here's how, this is the reason I think I feel this way. Uh, by and large... I don't like Juicy Lucy's, for example. Why not? Um, because I think that too much, too much of the focus is put on getting cheese in the patty, and then it doesn't matter what the ground beef tastes like. Or you have like an uncooked block of cheese in your patty, or unmelted, rather. Uh, maybe, maybe this cuts... Like, what is, have, you, have you had one of these burgers? We talked to us. I forget who it was. We talk, oh, Chef Plum mentioned burgers with cheese right ground into the beef have you had one of these yet i've not had one of the cheese ones but i have been to slater's 50 50 are you familiar with them i know yeah they do the bacon they, well they do too it's a west coast uh, casual burger chain where some of the patties their signature patty is ground with bacon it's 50 percent bacon and 50 percent beef mm-hmm. I, i've had that and it's really really delicious uh schweiden sons makes something to that effect we have sort of a secret burger we don't talk about that we have. You just um, talked about it. I know, I know. <laughs> it is really good, though. Um, it, have me over your house. I will bring them. They're wonderful. Um, okay. You're welcome. But, when you get back, immediately. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Slater's also has another one that they grind. Uh, it's either ghost or habanero peppers in, into the beef. And I ate that one, and I understand why people would not like it, but I loved it. Well, a ghost pepper is hard to put on your tongue to begin with. So did it completely overwhelm the beef? Um, no. I mean, you know, I ate it a while ago, but I also, like, I was looking for something hot and spicy, mm-hmm. and, you know, you and I eat a lot of burgers. So. Yeah. 
it's not like, oh, that was my one burger that week. It was probably my third. <laughs> right. So Although for me, I still want it to be my one burger that week. I just have to stop cheating at that. <laughs> um, okay. So where do you think, do you think this is going to happen in New York more and more? The, the in burger grinds or the mm-hmm. secret grinds. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably going to end up being more of a, um, like a supermarket product. Okay. Like, I don't know that you're, you'll see, I think you'll see some of it at restaurants. Um, but I think it's probably going to be more of like a home burger type thing. All right. Well, when I do my m- Memorial day weekend barbecue, well, maybe I'll find some and we'll, we'll fry them up. But I do, I do think you're going to be seeing a lot of that. Okay. What else you got for me trend wise? Uh, I, I'm, I'm predicting one more, one more trend. Okay. Um, I think that you're going to see people going away from the eight ounce patty. Um, and I think you're going to see more double stacked four ounce patties or double stacked three ounces, stuff like that. I agree. And I think in a lot of cases it's the right move. Yep. Because it's going to be, well, from a preparation side for an operator is a much, much faster cook time. And so they can get them out quicker. I mean, you look at Zurica's patty, you know, the hard time Sunday patty, it's a double, it's two, four ounces. He's whipping those things out as fast as possible. And they're juicy and delicious. And if you're cooking them on a flat top, you're basically just, you're maximizing sear. You're getting four sides of sear and that, that salty, crusty Maillard reaction. Like that's what you want when you're eating a burger, you know? For sure. Uncle Sam's is doing that too. They do a four ounce burger and there's, and their mini burgers are two ounces. And think of, if you want to stack that real high, how many you can get. Uh, well, if you go to Lansing, Michigan, get the boss log. <laughs> yeah, but those, oh, so how, how big are those patties? Uh, those are eight ounces. I was just making a joke, but 18, I do, oh, for sure. but I do, I, I think that you're going to see, um, the eight ounce burger is going to be more of like, um, casual to fine dining. And I think that the double stack is going to be more of like the quick serve, fast serve type, you know, yeah, fast I, think that, I think that trend sort of began last year. Um, but I, I agree. It'll probably happen more and more. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a smart way to go. I mean, that's, you know, that's what the, the Porterhouse has just released. Their, their quote-unquote bar burger is, you know, two four-ounce patties. I actually don't like that because when I hear the word bar burger, I think of an eight-ounce patty because that's, what, that's how I distinguish. <laughs> I'm like, a bar burger is an eight-ounce patty and a fast food burger or a quick serve burger is a four-ounce patty. You know what? We need to get, we need to do a show that's just about burger types. But we, but it, need, it needs to be educational. We got to figure that one out. But where we, where we'd say, okay, this is what an Irish pub burger is. This is a West Coast style. This is a gourmet. This is a chef driven. Yeah, I'm down. We can do that whenever we want because it's our podcast. <laughs> God bless, uh, Brad. Any other uh, any other things you see coming down the pike for the burger world in 2016? No, just us eating more of them and talking to people about them more and more. I think maybe we keep it kind of short this week and give people maybe a little bit of a look back at some burger talk from earlier this year. We've done 13 episodes, I think so far have yes, aired. Sir. Yep. Yeah. So why don't we go back and listen to a few of our burger conversations from earlier in the year so that you folks can know and get, be reminded where to eat as you begin 2016. <laughs> so the rest of this episode is just going to be a replay of all of our burger conversations uh, so far at the intro of all the shows that we've recorded. So if you've already heard those, Thank you very much. It's been an awesome year. We've enjoyed doing this, and we're looking forward to next year. And if you want to just listen to audio burger porn for another half hour, stick around. Happy New Year. Thanks, buddy. Hey, Brad. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing good. I'm starving. Just went to Miami, flew back, got back late. Woke up today, had to wrap, and nothing since. I need food. <laughs> Did you eat any, any good burgers while you were down there? Yeah, man. Uh, I went to this place called Kush, which is uh, run by a guy, I believe his name is Matthew Kush Kushner, uh, and he opened a restaurant a while back called Local, which was well-known for having a great burger. And I had done all this like burger research um, about Miami, uh, with a little bit of help from the Burger Beast, Seth Gonzalez. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. Uh, and I sent that. I was I was down there for uh, my girlfriend's family reunion slash grandma's 85th birthday party. So I sent that to her family. They all looked at it. They thought it was good. But one of her cousins uh, ignored my entire list. It was like, I went to Kush a little while ago. Great burger. Amazing beer. I'm like, you said amazing beer? Because the hotel does not have good beer. All right, let's go there. Uh, and they had this burger called the Johnny Utah that they said on the menu is voted best in Miami. And I'm sure as you can attest, Rev. There's a lot of bests. There's a lot of bests. A lot of bests. And and it's not always clear who's who's doing the voting. And it took me quite a lot of asking to find out that it was the Miami New Times, which voted them the Johnny Utah, the best burger of the year, I believe in 2014, although it might have even been some like towards the year now this year. So I got it and it, it was pretty good. Um, I was pretty, a little bit inebriated by the time it arrived, because uh, there were some beers I'd never tried before. But yeah, it was great. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I like I like pastrami on a burger. I'm learning to, to, to eat it a lot. They, they have it at Almond in, um, in Tribeca, too. Do you, do you feel like pastrami is a topping that shouldn't be on a burger, or are you embracing that as a topping? No, I'm, I'm all for it. And not just as a topping, but also ground into the patty. Ooh, that sounds special. Yeah, it's good. You should try it. Go down to, here, we'll go down to Almond in Tribeca one day, and we'll get it. I had it already, but I need I could do it again. I've said this before. I will say it again. I like burgers. I know it's true. What about you? Any good burgers lately? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, recently in New York City, El Mago de las Fritas. You, have you been to El Mago? Yeah, I went with Seth. Uh, the Burger Beast is awesome. There, there's an awesome, awesome restaurant in uh, Western Miami, uh, or I think they call it West Miami, in Little Havana called El Mago de las Fritas. I have no idea how long it's been there, but the, you know, El Mago is a guy. Uh, he's 77 years old. He owns a restaurant. They do like traditional Cuban American food. They've been doing it forever. You walk in, there's a couple of stools, there's a couple of booths, and the specialty of the house is the frita cubana. And for people who don't know what that is, uh, it, it's a Cuban hamburger. So it's it's some ground beef, and they use the spices that you would use in chorizo, but no chorizo. So it sort of tastes chorizo esque. Uh, then some raw onions, some julienne potatoes, the specialty Cuban roll. Uh, and you're like, well, it doesn't sound so special, man. When it goes in your mouth, it's just amazing. Anyway, uh, they have something called the Magic Box, which is a little trailer, and they drove it up from Miami to New York. And they served in Williamsburg for two days. And you could walk up to the Magic Box and you could have the Cubana Frita just as El Mago would serve it in his store in, in West Miami. And it was in, in New York for two days. I ate three of them. Uh, and they were magical, man. They were maniac. <laughs> no, they were so good. They were so good. I truly, truly enjoyed it. Uh, it, it was a blessing to uh, to have that in our town. And, you know, every time in Miami, I go eat there. And it was nice to have it in New York City. It was, it was awesome, man. I really yeah. That, that place, Kush, actually has a Frita Cubana on the menu, too. What, and did you get one? No. Man, it's tough. It's a tough call. I, I just don't. I'm so loyal to El Mago. I don't know that I can eat anywhere else. Yeah. Have you uh, have you ever eaten at El Rey de, uh, what is it, El Rey de las Fritas? El Rey de las Fritas. Uh, do you know the story, right? Uh, I'm sure they told me, but I, uh, I do not remember. So El Rey actually came first, and El Mago was part of that family, and he broke off and started his own. And he was like, well, I'm, El Rey means the king, 
And El Mago means the magician. So he was like, well, I'm not the king. I'm the magician. And that, that, there's like a whole family dispute there. But I, I'm so loyal to El Mago that I would not eat El Rey. <laughs> it sounds like a Lafayette American issue. Oh, listen, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Red, what's going on with you? Uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, getting ready for a big July 4th weekend. I know that uh, people who are listening to the podcast, this is uh, probably after the fact, but that's uh, that's what's going on in my life. It's uh, for me and, and for Schweid and Sons, it's the biggest week of the year in the burger business. Uh, I like to refer to it as Burger Christmas. So I don't celebrate Christmas, but I do celebrate Burger Christmas. <laughs> so what are you doing for the 4th? Uh, I'm having a Burger Weekly sponsored barbecue that is featuring Schweid and Sons beef. Thankfully, you got a hookup on that one. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nice perk in my life, <laughs> knowing, knowing Rev Ciencio. Um, yeah, we're just going to have have a couple dozen people, maybe maybe not quite that many, in the, the my little Greenpoint backyard and grill up some burgers and some sausages and eat drink drink hopefully more beer than we should. What's uh what's the what's the Brad from Burger Weekly number one grilling tip? Salt and pepper and nothing else and that goes on right before it goes on the grill. Really? So you, you it's it's about the timing of which it hits the the beef before it goes on? Absolutely. I I made the mistake a few years ago of I would I would prepare my beef and I I season it and then I'd leave it alone for a while, and I, it always ended up drying it out. And I couldn't figure out why that was happening. Uh, also, like a lot of people ask me if I put egg or onion in it, and I don't understand why they want me to make them meatballs instead of burgers. <laughs> I, I love meatballs. Yeah it's, yeah, it's fine. It's just it's not Fourth of July fair in my in my backyard. So you know, I'll tell you what my secret for uh, for for summertime, actually anytime grilling is, is I use uh, a grill mat or a camp griddle when I cook on top of a grill. And that way it allows me to have like that flat surface that I can sear the outside of a burger on like I would like from a restaurant. Uh, but also because it's on the grill, I still get that like smoky flavor from cooking over charcoal or, uh, or wood if you're doing it. That's very cool. I do that with indoor grilling. I've got myself a little like flat top for the kitchen. But um, when it comes to outdoor grilling, I- I'm so nostalgic. I need those lines. Do you? Yeah. See, I-, I have a flat top for the kitchen. It's called a skillet. Oh, that you put on your stove top? <laughs> yeah. My- my- mine's standalone. I actually honestly probably don't really cook a whole lot of burgers at home, but <laughs> oh, really, I got, I got some roommates who demand it. Well, you know, that's what happens when you're one of us, right? Yeah, it does. How are you, Brad? Hey man, I'm good. Uh, I am starving right now. I miss breakfast. Oh, how do you miss, how does one miss breakfast? When one forgets to set their alarm and wakes up at eight forty and must be at work by nine and lives well over 20 minutes away from work. One misses breakfast. The Brad from Burger Weekly does not have snacks uh, stashed in his desk or in his bag. Or you know, it was actually really foolish. I, I have a, a giant thing of coconut oil, although I don't use it to eat. I use it for skin. And I <laughs> had a, a big thing of turkey jerky that I've been saving, but I, I, I just didn't think about it in my panic this morning. Uh, I uh, I personally keep a. Uh, a thing of mixed nuts in my desk for just such an occasion. Uh, there's nothing like it. See, the, my problem is like I have no portion control, and so if there was a thing of anything in my desk, it'd be gone the day that I put it there. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of portion control, where which uh, which burger have you recently lost your portion control with? So this this is interesting too because you uh, this is where I wish that humans were more like bears because I had a giant dinner last night capped off by a burger and it, it did not stay with me till now. Uh, but that? I went to a place called The Leopard on the Upper West Side, not too far from Lincoln Center. It's a southern Italian restaurant that also serves a burger topped with smoked mozzarella, Ooh. and it was out of control good. 
That sounds yeah. awesome. By the time this goes up, there will definitely be expli- not expli- what is it? an exaggeration. Not exaggeration. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but a very, <laughs> a very uh, complimentary review of the restaurant on BurgerWeekly.com. Will be exuberant. It's totally exuberant. <laughs> How about you? Where have you eaten a good burger lately? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I live and work in, in the, uh, the new jiggity, as I like to call it. And uh, out, out here, there's a concept that's still alive and well that seems to have died off a little bit in Manhattan. It's called the diner. Uh, and there is a diner up the street from our office called the Candlewick, and you would never know about it. It's not on anybody's top ten list. It's not on a major road. I mean, it's literally just a diner in a neighborhood. Uh, but they have an entire page of their menu that's just burgers. Now, I know you're like, listen, most diners have a page of burgers, but these are not any ordinary burgers. It's not just like, yeah, this is onions or cheese or whatever. They have all kinds of crazy toppings, uh, and I got one called the Smokehouse with uh, caramelized onions, barbecue sauce, cheddar cheese, bacon on a uh, pretzel roll. And, you know, I expect a Jersey Diner burger to be pretty good. But this one was, this one was, I, I hate to say off the chains and have you think that I'm just being exuberant. Uh, but it was really good. It was a hearty, hearty lunch. Uh, it was some waffle fries and some cheese dipping sauce. And let me tell you, the rest of the day was just about ruined for a good reason. <laughs> that sounds awesome, man. I mean, everything but the food coma, because you know what a food coma is good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> you don't save any energy. You wake up and you feel groggy. And there just needs, you know what? I'm, I'm pro drugs now. I want there to be a drug to combat the food coma so I can eat what I want and not feel like crap the rest of the day. There's the anti-food coma drug. I think that's called five-hour energy. I No, that's gross. I want something that's not that and not cocaine. I want something like, that a doctor will give me and I'll feel okay about it. Rev, what's going on? You had a big weekend. Hi, buddy. I did. It was July 4th here, I guess, in New York City and all around the globe. Uh, and for those that don't know, here in New York City is home to the Nathan's Hot Dog uh, Eating Contest. It happens every July 4th in Coney Island. Uh, Nathan's is a hot dog restaurant that's been around since I couldn't tell you. Uh, but, you know, every year I say I'm going to go. I watch it on TV every year. And my wife and I are like, oh, we should go, we should go, we should go. Uh, and this year I actually got invited to be a judge. So it was pretty fun. Uh, the, the judging, I basically, you get called in, you stand right in front of the contestant, and you have to make sure that they eat the entire hot dog. Uh, it was funny. They didn't really give us any instruction. They're kind of like, so walk up and do this. And I'm sort of asking other guys, like, hey, have you done this before? What do we do? How do we figure this out? And, and the key is, right, Brad, that most of them eat the hot dog and the bun separately, mm-hmm. right? And you don't count it as eaten until they finish the bun. So most of them will grab like a, a, a franc or, or, and put one in their mouth or two francs at a time and then one bun. So they might, have been, might be ahead on francs but behind on buns. Very, very interesting system to learn. Do any of them do bun first and then franc? Um, I was pretty – I tried to take it as seriously as possible. I know that sounds crazy. Uh, so I was really transfixed on the contestants that I was judging. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones that I were judging that, that I was judging was eating the dog and then the bud. The, the one that i judged a, a woman, uh, contestant and a man, and a man contestant, the woman did dog bun, dog bun, dog bun. Whereas the, the, uh, the man did two dogs, one bun, two dogs, one bun. Got it. So they're really just carbo backloading. It's a little bit like that. But it, listen, it was a super fun event. I, I, I'm hoping to do it again next year. Uh, anybody that follows me on social media, I, I think you pointed out, I just berate them with, uh, with some photos from this weekend. Yeah, so. you'll, you'll hear in our, in our conversation with uh, Carrie, I give Rev a little bit of a call out for his, his insta-abusing. 
<laughs> that's one way to put it. So what did you do with your July 4th weekend? Uh, I had a big old barbecue in my backyard, which was great. We had some Schweiden Sons beef, which was outstanding. It put to shame the Trader Joe's beef that we had a supplemental. Uh, come on, come on, come on. I mean, <laughs> when it's true, it's true. Uh, we had a lot. It was about half Americans, half Australians. And I think the Australians might have been more into the holiday than the Americans were. They were all decked out in red, white, and blue gear. And they put on star stickers all over their faces. It, it made for a really fun holiday. Uh, everyone really enjoyed the food. I mean, I've been eating nonstop since since July 3rd. Since, you know, I had that day off work. July 4th, he went down to Red Hook, uh, ate at... Red Hook Lobster Pound, and had a drink at Fort Defiance, went and had more food at Hometown Barbecue, all because I thought, oh, I rode my bike down here. I can do whatever I want food-wise. <laughs> but today, I am moving slow. So I, I'd like to think that next year I'll do it differently, but I won't. Your, your calorie net zero game was on, at least in your head? Totally, 100% in my head. <laughs> and the rest of my body, not at all. <laughs> What was your big weekend? Oh, it was big, man. I Actually, my big weekend falls into some burger-related activity, so it's good that I'm sharing it with you. Uh, I went to, on Friday, at about 6 o'clock, right after I got out of work, I went to this new spot in Williamsburg called The Freehold. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Well, now you have. Uh, it is, uh, it's a big outdoor space and a sizable indoor space. They they sort of made it up to look like a hotel lounge inside and... and uh, like a hotel pool deck on the outside with ping pong and cornhole. And uh, I had heard that they have a pretty solid burger. So I was sitting at the bar drinking my shandy. Nice. And uh, yeah, it was good. And then, and then the burger came 10 bucks, quite good ground chuck, um, really soft, delicious brioche bun. Uh, and between the great beer selection and the delightful and relatively cheap burger, I was, I was hooked and I stayed there for six hours. Eating burgers uh, the whole time, or no it- drinking beer the whole time. Uh, eating burgers only in the beginning. I probably should have had more. Their fries are also pretty damn good. You're, I feel like lately you've been on like a uh, a fry thing. I'm on such a French fry kick. I'm really trying to get people to admit that fries are crack. Um, <laughs> Food the, crack. <laughs> the fries equal crack. Hashtag. But uh, yeah, I, I I just I was at Lupolo and I was eating some some uh, Portuguese chicken there, and I started chowing on their French fries, and I couldn't stop even though I was full. And I like, was like, fries are crack. I can't stop. I have a serious problem. We'll have to do – we'll have to get Matt Chernis from Grill Em All onto the podcast at some point. I, I was with him, and everybody knows they're like the heavy metal hamburger guys, mm-hmm. and they, they received all this notoriety from television and burgers and blah, blah, blah. And one day I'd had a couple of beers with Matt and I was like, dude, where does it all, where does it all come from? And he was like, I love French fries. Like, <laughs> I love French fries. French fries are God. French fries are the best thing I've ever eaten. He's like, I, I like French fries more than hamburgers. Hamburgers are conduit to eating French fries. And he'd like, like a 30 minute missive on how amazing French fries are. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to get him on the podcast at some point. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I want to hear that. I actually, I don't feel that way, but I just, I just can't stop right now. I actually do sometimes plan my dinners around whether or not French fries will come with the meal, uh, regardless of the cuisine. Really? Yeah. What about you, man? Anything good this weekend? Any good food lately? Well, I could talk about fries or I could talk about hamburgers. Which one do you want? <laughs> Either, both. I got time. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go both. So I had some French fries over the weekend that were phenomenal. 
there's a place in Jersey City called the Left Bank Burger Bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, they're kind of like the premier burger spot in, in Jersey City. There's not really like that definitive best burger, but they, uh, they are definitely making a really good run at it. They have something called Chilltown Fries. And it, uh, it has, quote unquote, butcher's chili, cheese, smoked bacon, and jalapeno. And I wouldn't define them as cracked. But there is definitely some level of addictive that, uh, like you can't, it, you definitely can't have one. I'm looking at the photo right now. They remind me a lot of the tater tots at, damn it, I can't remember the name of the place. This West Village cocktail bar. All right, oops, can't remember. Can you? I would love it if you went back and hashtag fries equal crack on that photo. Uh, I, I will do that for you. And then we'll talk about a burger real quick. I had a burger last week, and I eat them maybe as much as you do, and. I don't ever use the word game changer unless I truly believe like this is something that is going a different is going a different a road. I had a burger last week that I couldn't believe I was eating it when I ate it, and when I was done, I was emailing the chef for two days about it. Wow! Right, and clearly I eat a lot of hamburgers. The Ainsworth in New York City is about oh, to roll yeah. out a new burger menu, and uh, Chef Stephen Yen. Uh, I happen to be stopping by. I was like, oh, you got to try these. And one, they made this burger. It's just called the Bacon Burger, which is like so underwhelming of a name for what is what happens. But it has bacon jam, right? And then it's got honey hoisin glazed bacon. Mm. And then it's got a fried cheese. But it's not fried cheese like hard. It's soft. It's like a fried cheese sauce with panko in it. I, I can't put into words how much I enjoyed this burger oh, and what the, the like, cause it was salty. It was sweet. It was savory. It was big. It was large. The texture, like it had all those moments that you want in a burger that you're like, I'm going to eat this burger. I've not posted a picture of it yet. It'll go up on Schweid and son's Instagram soon, but man, like I can't stop thinking about it. Was that the burger you sent me a picture of in text? Yes. That is okay. that burger. All right. I want to eat that. Rev, yes. How are you? I'm 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 doing really good, my friend. I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm great. I went to a company picnic today, and then I came home and I took a nap, so I'm really rested. Uh, I'm excited for our guest today. I think it's going to be a fun show. Uh, but you know what I want to know? Yes. What? Tell me the last burger you ate. So I was afraid you were going to ask this question. Actually, I knew you were going to ask this question. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> Wait, how is it that you can't remember? No, truthfully, I haven't had a burger in about two weeks, so I'm sorry to let everybody down, uh, but I've not been eating burgers for the last two weeks. And honestly, it's not on purpose. That is just sometimes how it goes in my life. Sometimes I'm eating a burger three or four times a day, and sometimes I go two weeks. So I kind of let burgers come to me. I don't do a lot of programming them into my life, you know, obviously because I work for a burger company, so it's like, oh, well, we're going to try one here today, and we're going to meet these people tomorrow and come try my burger, and so... There's enough of like burgers being inserted into my timeline that I have a tendency to not insert them. I get it. I actually do pretty much the same thing, but lately it's been having the opposite effect where they've been inserted into my life multiple times a week. I'm feeling quite fat and I got to go to the beach this weekend. I'll tell you what though. I have a, I have a hankering today. Like I want one right now. Well, you should get one, my man. Cause last night I went to the new JG Mellon, the one downtown yeah, sir, tell me about it. So I've, I've had like mixed feelings about J.G. Mellon since I moved to New York. I've now eaten it four times, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but as someone who eats a lot of burgers and doesn't return to another a place twice, four is a ton for me. It's a lot. It's definitely yeah. a lot. The first time I went, I liked it, but I don't remember it that much. And the second time I went, which was the first time that I went for Burger Weekly, I really did not enjoy it. It, it felt like it was too small. It felt kind of thrown together. I think my waitress was really kind of mean, so I wasn't digging it. 
But then I had one delivered to me because I did a promotional thing with an application called GoButler and even delivered, which I normally would never do because I don't like eating a burger that cooks itself as it makes its way to me. I do not believe that burgers travel. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm right in that same boat. Uh, this burger traveled okay. I, I was frankly shocked at, at how good it tasted having come down. I, w- I was in Midtown and it came down from the Upper East Side. So when I got the bug to check out the new downtown location, I was frankly a little bit less floored than I would have been at how much I enjoyed the burger at the new J.G. Mellon. It was just like thicker than I remembered. It was it was juicier than I remembered. The American cheese and the bun melted together in a way. I'm, I'm making hand motions that I wish everyone could see because they're really <laughs> informing how I feel about this burger. So you know what this means, right? Tell me. It, it means that at some point, either you or I or somebody else is going to have to go eat one downtown and then go immediately and eat one uptown and see how different they really are. I think that's absolutely the case, especially because I've heard that there's like a little bit of I don't love the fact that there's a new downtown one from the regulars of the uptown one. Uh, I have read some of that that pitter patter on the uh, on the interwebs, and I can't say that I side with them because you know what? At, at some point, the people that live there were like, "Oh, this is my neighborhood place, and it belongs to me." But like, you know what? If you get a job or you get married, or you're going to leave that neighborhood, and you're never going to think of JG Miller again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And let's say you don't ever leave that neighborhood. The only person it really belongs to is the guy who owns it. I've heard he's not necessarily so happy about the new J.G. Mellon either. <laughs> you know what, anyway, Brad? I like burgers. Yeah, I like burgers too, and I like that one. And uh, I feel like I ate another... Oh, I ate a not-so-great burger at a barbecue recently, but I'm not going to mention which... I've been to a few barbecues, not going to mention which one had the burger I didn't love, because I don't want to hurt any feelings. Brad, what's, uh, any, any good burgers lately? Um, yeah, so I had the roadside burgers pretty good, but by and large, I've been trying to be good because, and this will be dated by the time this podcast comes out, but I am uh, saving myself for the burger equivalent of marriage known as the Time Out New York Amstel A Burger Battle. That yes. Was- uh, in terms of when we recorded this podcast, that's tomorrow. Exactly. So <laughs> you can, uh, sorry for the delay. <laughs> Some of the other uh, episodes were even more delayed, so shouldn't be too bad, but I'm very excited for that. Uh, the roadside burger, definitely worth checking out. It's a little bit messier than uh, a typical Shake Shack burger. What about you? So I went to the Boston Battle of the Burger last week, mm-hmm. uh, where I ate 25 hamburgers in one day. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't going to do it, but, you know, Schweiden Sons, where I work, they were the sponsor for, uh, for the, one of the sponsors for the event, and there were 20 hamburgers there that featured our ground beef, and I thought it was sort of my duty as the marketing guy to, uh, to eat and document every single one of them. And I sputtered out twice. I sputtered out at like 14. I sputtered out again at 16. And then I pushed myself uh, through to 21. Let's be, uh, let's be like totally transparent with our audience. Yes. When you say you ate 21 burgers, let's put in perspective. One, most of these burgers are small because it's a, a festival. Yes. And two, there are times when you know after two bites that a burger is good or bad and the rest of that burger goes in the trash. Yes, and probably the correct way to frame this up would be I ate from 25 hamburgers. Perfect. Uh, There were a few that finished. If it was just too good to put down, uh, I finished it. Or if I was standing there in front of the chef and they were having, like, an intense conversation with me and I didn't want to just, like, toss it. So to be be courteous, I finished the burger. Right, but now let's be fair to you and your endurance as a burger eater. You're not going to eat 44 bites of any given hamburger. It just doesn't happen. There there are... (laughs) 
are not 44 <laughs> bytes of a given hamburger. So let's say you took two bytes out of every, two bytes out of most and three bytes out of a couple, you still ate more hamburger than any human should, and that's why you're the co-host of the podcast. <laughs> no, and it was good, you know, and, and what I do love about those events is, look, I don't believe they're the best representation of that chef or that restaurant's ability to make food, um, but it's a great way to find out about you know, restaurants and burgers you may not know about. And it's a great way, like, if you're like me, I'm a taste collector, and, like, I want to see what's going on, the, you know, what what cheeses are people using, what are people doing to bacons, you know, how are they fixing eggs. And so to me, it's, it's, it's as much exploratory from, you know, the culinary aspect as it is, like, the restaurant discovery aspect. And so that, you know, if, to me, like, if I eat a burger I really like at one of these events, I'm, I mentally know I'm going to go back and try it in the restaurant. Will I see you tomorrow? You will. Schweiden Sons is the sponsor. And I'll tell you what burger I'm most excited about, so it'll be fun to see when we talk on the next podcast. Emily is doing their burger tomorrow, mm. uh, but they're not using the ground beef they normally use. They will be using Schweiden Sons ground beef. So it's a little personal dream come true that I can't wait for. That's cool. And another place that doesn't normally use your beef but will be using your beef tomorrow, Black Tap, uh, is another burger that people are like really going crazy about right now. Yes, we should talk about getting Joe from Black Tap on the show. I couldn't agree more. It's an interesting burger you've had lately. Uh, so the other night, I met up with some friends from a, a burger club of all ladies called the Burger Babes. We yeah. love the Burger Babes. They're, they're good people. Um, I was I was honored to be the first man ever invited into that club, um, and we went to Lupolo, which is uh, George Mendez's place. It's a uh, Portuguese chicken spot, and they also uh, really heavily focused on beer. Lupulo, I guess, means hops in, in Portuguese. Uh, the beer was cr- crazy good, and the burger was also pretty good. It was a double patty situation, two little four-ounce patties with some some uh, Portuguese cheese, the name of which I can't remember, on a really nice sesame seed bun with uh, smoked mayo. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, it's, only, it's only served at lunch and late night, so if you are drinking at Lupulo and you end up there late, and you're feeling a little tipsy, it's a hell of a burger to go with. Um, what about you? So many requirements to eat. What, what is smoked mayo, by the way, and why can't I have it right now? It, i got to be honest, it just tasted like mayo to me. But I, I did drench my french fries in it, so <laughs> it was good. It was, it, it was, it was legit. It's funny. I, I picture like a, uh, an ex-Brooklyn hipster who's recently shaved off his beard and has gone back towards that, like, you know, T-shirt and – T-shirt, you know, rolled up sleeves look, hanging on a corner like vaping mayo. <laughs> oh, my God. I would, I, I'm really anti-vaping. I just think it's silly. <laughs> but I would vape some mayo. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Maybe we should just start an Instagram feed or a hashtag mayo vaping. <laughs> mayo vaping. Or just things, food items you would vape. <laughs> food vaping. Listen, anybody could start an Instagram account. It's you and I, food vaping. Let's do it. I'm actually, I'm, I'm relatively committed to this idea already. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing hard enough that I'm about ready to register the screen name. Sweet. Tell me about burgers <laughs> that you eat. So I was fortunate uh, to recently go to Wooster, Ohio, and uh, most people, probably most people, <laughs> would go, Rev, what the heck is in Wooster, Ohio? Why be excited about it? Wooster, Ohio is home to certified Angus beef. Um, and I was fortunate to travel out there with George Motes, who is, you know, the, what I would call the leading hamburger expert. And we were out there for just 36 hours, uh, and we shot a little film that's going to be shown at the Food Film Fest, and we ate a lot of burgers. But they took us to this place called the First Amendment 
public house. And uh, yes, there is a downtown Worcester. It's about two street lights long, and this is at the corner of one of them. And, you know, they didn't tell us where we were going. They didn't tell what we were doing. George and I had, like, just gotten off this flight. We got up at, like, 4 in the morning, and we walk into this restaurant, and we sit down, and there's, like, Dr. Phil Bass, the leading animal scientist, and all the CAB people. And uh, out comes this six-pound sandwich, and it's a hamburger that is bigger than, like, my head and George's head combined, right? And I'm instantly, I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. There's no way you can cook a burger that large and have it taste good. In fact, I believe 10 ounces is like the maximum patty size for delicious hamburger. And uh, so it was like a three-pound patty. And then between the bun and the cheese and all the other stuff, it was six pounds. And, you know, look, it was great for Instagram and, you know, hundred-some likes and, you know, a lot of fun and giggles. And then we cut into it. And I was like, oh, where are we going to go eat after this? It's going to suck. And I have to say it was the best tasting oversized burger I've ever eaten. And I wouldn't necessarily say that restaurants should do this, but whatever they're doing at the uh, First Amendment Public House in Worcester, Ohio, to make a six-pound burger, it is delicious and great for Instagram. Did you ask them what they were doing? Um, well, of course I did. You know, they're using certified Angus beef. It's a uh, Chuck Brisket sirloin burger. Uh, they cooked the burgers in like a um, – it's like basically a cake pan with no bottom so that it stays uh, it stays formed and they can easily sear it and they get the burger real high. Um, they use like a, a, a local bakery to do a very, very special bun. They only have a couple a day. Like I, he walked me through the whole process and I was like, either share this with everybody or don't tell anyone because uh, this is pretty awesome. Any, any burgers uh, cross your love threshold lately? Well, I'm going to mention two. Uh, one, because it comes up in our conversation that we have with Mike Tanzillo um, about Burger Lift. I, I met with Mike last week to talk about all things hamburger, including Burger Lift and, and including that's, – that's it. And we went to Mercer Kitchen where they serve burgers on Burger Lift, and that burger was pretty great. You can read about what I thought about it on Burger Weekly. And uh, I joined you at the Food Film Fest at the AMC 25 in Midtown. And had a uh, certified Angus beef burger prepared by Schnippers, um, and it was delicious. And it was uh, it was my first food film fest, and I liked it a lot. To explain what the food film fest is for people who don't know, uh, it is a film festival like all others. You go to a movie theater, they show independent films. The director gets up on stage and talks about it afterwards, and, and it's a film fest. But all the films are somehow themed around food. It could be about a farmer or a purveyor. Uh, or it could just be, you know, somebody playing with food or whatever. And while you're sitting there and you're watching this food on the screen and you're thinking, God, I really like to taste that, or I want to know what that tastes like, it gets served to you in your seat. So it's this multi-sensory experience where you're watching films about food and you're eating food. It's like, you know, you're watching that tea, you're watching your TV in a commercial for your favorite restaurant or something comes on. And you're like, God, I want to eat that right now. And then you actually eat it. So it, it's pretty cool. You enjoy Brad? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was interesting to watch movies. I went to Meat Night, you know, a ten, what was it, Tender Movies About Beef? Tender, yes. Yeah, so that was fun. It was interesting to watch, and I'll say right off the bat, wonderful short films, really, really good, about farming, about raising animals to butcher the animals, and it was mostly about local, locally raised meat, uh, which I appreciated. And there was something really romantic about all of it, Kind of made me want to go work on a farm. So I'm wrestling with that in my life right now. <laughs> and then also interesting and, and good timing. 
that um, once the animals are off the screen and the films shifted more towards the food preparation, that's when the food came out. So I was happy that I didn't have the pork in my hand while he was playing with the pigs. Um, but, but, you know, it never felt inappropriate. It never felt gross. Uh, it felt like a lot of love and care went into these films and, and I really enjoyed it. And then the food before and after was also just incredible. A hometown barbecue is always a winner. And, and just so we're specific for the sake of, of storytelling here, you don't just get fed food, you get fed the exact food that's in the movie. Right. And so the burger, uh, which you just lovingly talked about, was actually the burger that was made in the film. So George Motes, the festival director, made a film about certified Angus beef. And in there, he talks to their head chef uh, and their doctor of uh, animal sciences, and they make a burger. And while you're watching that burger, then afterwards, you get to hang out with me and you have the exact burger in the film that certified Angus beef bacon and it had Schweiden sons, Chuck brisket. It had the uh, blue cheese melted on it. It was exactly what was in the film. It was good stuff. Yeah, I have to say the coolest part by far, I forget what the name of the film was, but it was about barbecue all throughout Central Texas. It might have been called Central Texas? Central Texas Barbecue. Right. Okay, great. That makes sense. Um, And there was a couple who owned Black's Barbecue, and they talked about desegregating their restaurant. And it was so nice to hear from their son. They couldn't make it. I think they're maybe a little too old to travel, but it was so nice that their son came and actually served food from the restaurant. It It was a really great way to connect with the film. So that was the highlight of my night. Well, I'm, I've been going for years, and I'm glad you came, and I'm glad you got to enjoy it. Yeah, I'll be sure to go back next year. What's going on, Brad? Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to ask you that question. You know why? Yeah, I do know why, but I'll let you tell everybody. <laughs> well, normally we kick off the show, we talk about the last burger we had, or, you know, you ask me, Rev, what was the good burger you had? But I know what your answer is, because I ate it with you, and it was last night. Uh and I want to tell the story so I can let you talk about the food. You down with that? Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. So I've had this dream for many, many years that on Thanksgiving Day, my family would allow me to cook the bird. And instead of like the regular stovetop, you know, still for stuffing, whatever, that I would use White Castle cheeseburgers as the stuffing. And every year I propose it. And every year my family gives me a weirder and weirder look. And I was talking to Matt from Emily uh, for those of you who don't know, they're a pizza place in Brooklyn that are like the top of everybody's favorite burger list right now. It's delicious. And I said it to Matt at the time at Battle of the Burger that this is my dream. And he was like, yeah, that does sound good. I go, how cool would it be if we took your Emily burger, cut it up and made it into stuffing and put it in a turkey and made a Thanksgiving dinner? And he said, that's pretty cool. We should do it. Put it on the calendar. And I just kind of looked at him like, okay, you're appeasing me. And then like a day later, he's like, I'm serious. Are we doing this? So I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, we're doing it. We picked a date, and Matt decided to to up it a channel. Uh, and instead of taking his hamburgers and making them the stuffing and putting them in a turkey, he put them in a duck. <laughs> and me and Brad, uh, George Motes, uh, Mike from Gothenburger Social Club, and Mike Tanzillo from Burger Lift, who was on the podcast last week, uh, went and ate this last night. And Brad, that's where you come in. All right. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about this now because we hinted at it last week with Mike. Oh, this food. There is so much. It was, I'm having PTSD. So last <laughs> night. From eating? <laughs> it was just, as every dish came, my heart both sank and lifted at the same time. Sank because I was thinking, oh, I had a big lunch. And lifted because I was thinking, this is going to taste so good. And Matt Highland, the chef at Pizza Loves Emily and owner, he's not a stoic guy. He always has a smile on his face, but he, he's not boastful. He's very humble. 
and everything came to the table with a sense of it all just felt very homey anyway the first thing that he sat down in front of us was the bird with the burger stuffing so we got to see it all at once there were two of them it looked incredible it was glazed with uh it was the emily burger sauce and it wasn't so photogenic but we took a million photos because that's the kind of people we are. <laughs> Chef Matt even helped us with the lighting. He's such a good guy. <laughs> it, it didn't look great. It looked, I mean, uh, what, a stuffed turkey always is going to look a little weird, a stuffed duck even more so, but it, we knew it was going to taste incredible. And then he brought us the the stuffing just on its own, and we poured Emily sauce all over it. And it was incredible. <laughs> and then he pulled us that. It was, it, was, it was soaked in a duck dock, like a chicken stock would be. I, my hands are shaking talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> then he brought over the macaroni and cheese that had a jalapeno and it was smoked macaroni and cheese with jalapeno and there was uh, amazing Brussels sprouts with fish oil and uh, the duck itself was so crispy the he had deep fried the the wings the the drumsticks uh, after oh my god and um, <laughs> he had Wait, there was more. I'm trying to remember. There was truffled mashed potatoes shot from a gun. Out of a gun! I just sent him the video that I took. I, actually, I didn't just send it. It's like 2 in the morning I woke up because my stomach was so slushy slushy, and I was like, eh, here's the video. <laughs> and, uh, and then he brought out the, em- the Emmy Burger pizza, which is a deconstruction of the Emily Burger on a pizza. Incredible. Actually, all the pizza there is incredible, but that's what we ate. He brought out a lamb burger, which is right now off the menu, but will soon be, I think, more available there. Uh, by the time this airs, it, it might be on the menu. And the night ended with frozen banana pudding, which made oh. me remark, why is all the pudding not frozen except bread pudding? It was so good. It reminded me of summer camp. It was like the ice cream that you would take the lid off of. And it was, you know, it had the little like ice coals. It, it felt fun. It was just fun to eat. And then we poured Michter's bourbon on top of it. Rev freaked out. I've never seen you geek out like that before. Started screaming at the table. Yes, that, 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 that. It was hilarious. I've never seen you look like such a child. I Over alcohol, no less. Well, I mean, it was alcohol and food, to be fair. I was ecstatic over the food. I mean, you know, smoked mac and cheese, you know, Emmy burger stuffed ducks, <laughs> roasted. I mean, you went over the list. It was it was insane. And the really fun part, uh, for me at least, maybe not so much for everybody else, is, uh, you know, Emily is not a Schweiden Sons customer, but that was part of the deal is that Matt had to use our ground beef. And so I gave him a choice of whatever he wanted. <laughs> and instead of saying, like, you know, I want a Chuck brisket or something, he's like, I need the Wagyu. So I sent him 20 pounds uh, of our Katana Blend fresh Wagyu. And that, so it wasn't just any meat. It was super high-end Wagyu ground beef. So I'm actually glad you brought that up because – Having been at the Food Film Fest last week, you know, you hear a lot that Wagyu beef, Kobe beef sort of loses its purpose when it gets ground into ground beef. And it was nice to see the Certified Angus Beef movie where it talked about why that's not the case because of the way that the fat content in Wagyu and Kobe beef still maintains its flavor in ground beef. And oh my freaking God, I'm going to get so Midwestern right now, but it was incredible. (laughs) I had it for leftovers for breakfast. I, I did so last night we we're gonna I know we're waxing enthusiastic on this a lot right now, but I just have a few more things to say. Rev, last night we talked about the double double and the KFC chicken mashed potato bowl and you sort of made a makeshift one on your plate. So we all got to make doggy bags for ourselves last night and I just got to dig right into that this morning, which tastes like the same thing with you got your jalapeno mac and cheese mixed with your truffle and mashed potatoes, mixed with your Emmy burger dressing. I want to bang my head against the wall because I'll never get to eat it again. <laughs> oh. 
Rem, tell me about. I, I I understand you're having a burger drought. It's it's been a it's been about a week and a half since I've actually had a had a burger. Not include like look. So I work for a company that makes gourmet ground beef. We sort of test and eat burgers in the office all the time, but I've not gone out for a burger in at least a week and a half. Have you had a burger since we had the lamb burger pieces at Emily? Yes, yes. Uh, I went to Brother Jimmy's uh, about two weeks ago, and they have this burger there called Beat the Farm, uh, which is a really awesome name. And it, it's essentially it's a hamburger on top of French fries. So you get the patty, bacon, egg, and cheese, and then French fries instead of a bun. And I, that, to me, it's just like an awesome concept. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, instead of a bun. Yeah, it's, so it's the contents of, of the burger on top of French fries, no bun. That's really interesting because – oh, that's that picture you sent me. Yes. Um, that's really interesting because I was just talking to someone who said that they wanted to have like a Hanukkah burger where the the bun is potato latkes. And I thought that was great, but I, I thought that has to exist. Uh-oh. No, uh-oh. I wanted to give you the idea oh. that I ran out to go find a burger on latkes. Oh, <laughs> so- I thought we had technical difficulties. <laughs> no, because so when you say something like that, a burger on latke cakes, I'm out of here. I got to find this right now. Yeah, so um, I actually went to Brother Jimmy's recently too, but all I did was drink and watch people make fools of themselves. And then, I actually, this is a story for a different kind of podcast entirely. <laughs> well, um, how about then you tell us about a, a burger you've had recently? Yeah, sounds good. I went a couple of days ago to Red Hook uh, because Grindhouse, which has been open for I think a little over a year now, recently got a new chef, uh, Joe Macchio, I think is his name. And they're a little more, I'm sorry if I screwed that up. And they're a little more burger centric than they used to be. And uh, the burger was great. Worth the trip to Red Hook, which I got to via Cartago, which is my new favorite thing in the world. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, everything except the fact that you're driving a smart car on the highway is awesome. Because driving a smart car feels like you're pressed up against the glass and there's nothing behind you. So if anything touches you, you will die. But once you get to Red Hook and you get the burger, it's wonderful. It's just so simple, this burger. It's the amazing beef. It's uh, Fleischer's beef on a sesame seed bun, toasted American cheese, pickles, and that's it. Very simple, very delicious, served with ruffles in a dish. And I would go back. I would go back, but not. I got a double, and I would go back and get a single. I think the time of my life of eating doubles might be over. Oh, never. Never say never say that. I don't want to get boobs. <laughs> <laughs> now we now we've totally digressed. <laughs> yeah. Brad, you you recently had a a fun burger adventure on the Snapchats. Can you uh can you tell us about your Snapchat adventure? Sure thing, man. Always trying out the new socials. Snapchat is not new at all anymore. But uh, I I was like, what? How can I how can I do two things? How can I get more comfortable taking video of myself, which is I don't think a skill that everybody needs. We don't all have to be narcissists, but. I kind of am. So uh, I was like, how can I get more comfortable on video while simultaneously eating a lot of great burgers and getting more used to playing with Snapchat? All those things came together uh, when I saw the one millionth instance of a non-slider slash mini burger being called a slider. Uh, and I was in Michigan at the time visiting my family for Thanksgiving. So I decided to do a, a long Snapchat story about all the great slider places around South east michigan um, of which there are many there are tons of white tower uh joints like Bates and and greens and hunter house and that's just to name a few um, moches moches i didn't make it there Miller's, um, the list is very large 
Right. Miller's Miller's would have been great to go to for the example I was trying to make because Miller's um, sells large sliders. A slider is the size of, of what a normal human might call think is of a hamburger, although so does Bates. Uh, Bates's. But um, no, just Bates, not Bates's. But uh, didn't make it to Miller's. Also, I wanted to go to more of the, the White Tower style places, the places that really model themselves off of White Castle. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Eight, uh, three and a half sliders, uh, half a dozen cider mill donuts, and some cider mill cider. It was a lot of fun. Got great a great response on Snapchat. My only, my only frustration with Snapchat is that it doesn't really allow the audience to engage. Uh, you know, you, your feedback is only how many people watch and continue to watch the story as it goes on. And you can also see screenshots, which really only happened when I posted a website, a web address on one of the snaps. But the most important thing is that the sliders at Bates and Hunter House were amazing and the sliders at Greens were pretty good. But I could tell that the ladies on the grill were kind of not thrilled about working at the hour they were working the day before Thanksgiving. So not quite as delicious rev you have a, a snapchat story to share yeah and so for a very similar uh for a very similar reason i did a little snapchat fun over the thanksgiving holiday myself and uh this is the very first time i've ever cooked thanksgiving dinner i've you know participated in eating certainly and i've made a dish or two but i've never i've never run gun i've never been the, the sole man in the kitchen and uh this year it was my turn to to cook Thanksgiving dinner and uh as you know from a few podcasts ago I've always had a dream of stuffing my bird with uh, white castle sliders and so since this year my rule my kitchen my bird uh I decided that this was going to be the year that I made stuffing out of white castle sliders but you know because I'm I'm about the socials and I'm about the social media networks uh I decided to basically sort of live snapchat the whole process and it ended up being, I think, 14 different videos from, you know, whether I was chopping vegetables to mixing the bird to going to the White Castle and standing in line at 9 o'clock at night and buying them. Uh, and you're right. I, I actually kind of wanted more engagement than I got. Uh, thankfully, I also sort of chronicled it on, on Instagram and Twitter. And so I, the engagement that my, uh, my ego needed was there. Uh, but it was really, really fun. It was really, really delicious. I would absolutely do it again. Uh, and I mean, make the stuffing, uh, probably the Snapchat as well. Uh, it was easier than you think it is. And it was, uh, it was, it was a great moment to be, uh, to do that for social media. In fact, a lot of my friends who like to feed my ego as well told me, Oh, you won the internet for the day, but you know, I'm going to tell you one way in which you did not win the internet for the day, please. Uh, maybe I will edit this out, but we'll see. I'm going to air some dirty laundry, right? Go for it. Uh, this is my biggest my biggest Snapchat pet peeve is when oh. people post to the story and post it direct to all their followers. What do you mean? Oh, where like so, so I sent it so I sent it to you and put it on my story. Indeed. And what don't you like about that? It's, well, you're not the only one who does it. It's quite common. Um, I just because uh, I look, I'm the kind of person who, when I go into my Snapchat stories, I look at every single one of them. So I'm seeing the same stuff twice. Ah, well, I specifically wanted to share that with you for uh, research purposes, but now no. that, you, now that well, you've snap shamed me. Now I feel bad. <laughs> God, but, this podcast is going to be just like a, this particular episode is going to be a series of instances where I feel like I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> well, look, I think the point here, and this will be a good segue into our conversation with Chef Plum, is, you know, social media is about storytelling and, and that's what it's supposed to be. And that's, you know, if you want to win uh, two things, it's got to look good and sound interesting, but you have to be conveying uh, something bigger, something more than I ate this hamburger. You know, you were like, I'm going to tell, I'm going to show you what a slider really, really is. And I'm going to do it through a fun little story here that you can follow me along with. That's pretty cool. 
Right. Also, uh, I have a statement and then a question. My statement first is you can you can I saved the the Snapchat story, put it up on YouTube, and you can see it now. By the time this podcast goes up for sure on Burger Weekly in my article about said sliders, I'll post the the YouTube video there too in case you missed it. Doesn't translate so well to YouTube. What with the vertical um, aspect ratio, but so be it. And uh, I have a question for you. How did the White Castle stuffing compare to the Emily stuffing? It it's not comparable. It's okay. not comparable. The the White Castle stuffing tastes like Thanksgiving stuffing. I mean, it's breaded. There's meat. There's onions. Like it's really really good. But that Emily burger and that Emily stuffing and the duck was just from another. That was from another planet. That was an eating experience that is unlike uh, a lot of what's available out there. Have you had any good burgers lately? Mm. Well, it's been a minute now, but I wanted to talk about this burger that I had at Buddy's Pizza because we spoke to Wes Fakula from Buddy's Pizza. Okay, now I'm really done with the olives. Sorry. And um, <laughs> and uh, so I went there because when we interviewed him, he said on his podcast that um, that Buddy's Pizza's burger was, you know, nothing on the menu is bad. Buddy's Pizza's burger is, is quality tested and great. And um, after eating it, I believe it that to be true. But I also believe that it's heavily, heavily, heavily influenced by um, another very famous Detroit area burger called the Redcoat Burger at Redcoat Tavern. They were really similar. Um, so I don't know. I have mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. So in, in the world of burgers, describe what similar means. Well, when you eat as many burgers as I do and as you do and as I think any good red-blooded American should do, you you start to find similarities in different kinds of burgers. Like there are gourmet burgers. You'll find that, I guess, a lot of burgers that have, let's say, dry-aged beef are going to taste similar in the same kind of funky way. Um, and if I'm going to be specific about these two burgers, they both have almost the exact same sauce, same bun, shredded lettuce. Um, they both use Piedmontese beef. They're just, they're just, it, it's like when you go to a, a nicer restaurant that's not a fast food restaurant and you eat a burger and you're like, this tastes a lot like a Big Mac or a Whopper. It evokes that same memory. That's what I mean when burgers are similar. And, and ultimately, did you feel like you really wish you were eating a Buddy's pizza? Well, I was also eating a Buddy's pizza. <laughs> Well, that's the way to do it. Yeah, so it was fine. Also, the French fries there were crazy good. Wedge fries, really good. So, you know, all in all, it wasn't a loss. It was just, it was just something new and also familiar, oddly. Well, I will be heading back to our mutual home state of Michigan here in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as tradition has it, I always go out and eat a burger with my mother. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have not picked a burger yet. Maybe we'll get the buddies. I really want you to go to One-Eyed Betty's. All right. Where's One-Eyed Betty's? In Berkeley. Okay. I'll t- I will talk to Mama Rev. All right, good. Tell me about your burger situation these days. So I had a, I had a pretty unique burger the other day um, at Brother Jimmy's. In fact, it was the Brother Jimmy's live location in Union Square. And uh, when the chef, Chef Eva there told me about it, I was like, oh, I want that. I want it now. And essentially, it's, it's called Beat the Farm, and it's a breakfast burger. So it has bacon, egg, and cheese on it. Uh, but what makes this burger unique, you know, other than that they use Schweiden Sons ground beef, plug, 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 um, is that there's no bun. Uh, mm. Instead, it's served on a bowl of French fries. And you still think this is a burger? I do think it's a burger. I, I mean, why would you not consider that a burger? Because for me, the bread is an essential part of a burger. You're, you're, you're saying that for it to be a burger, there are certain elements for, mm-hmm. that, that come up as a requirement and that without those requirements, it's not a, uh, it's not a yeah, burger. Pretty much but, it's ground, ground meat and, and, that, and that's what that meat is, is, is a point of contention. 
and and bread. It's really just those two elements. And and it doesn't even necessarily have to be bread. In fact, if you had told me that the French fries surrounded the burger or were on both sides of the burger, I'd call it a burger. But because it's below? But because it's you're essentially serving uh, a burger patty on a bed of fries, it kind of just reminds me it's just like ground meat on fries. How do you feel how do you feel about a hot dog that does not come in an oblong roll? I'd still call it a hot dog or maybe it's just a wiener. What if it was what about an Olga dog? How do you feel about Olga dogs? Oh man, I haven't had one of those in so long. Now I just a- want an Olga dog. <laughs> That's a hot dog. Because it's like a pig in a blanket. <laughs> And I want to know what kind of burgers you've been eating lately. Oh, man. I had a particularly fantastic burger the other day. And of all places, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, most people probably know East Rutherford because it's where the Jets and the Giants play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's now a defunct uh, a skiing resort or whatever that building is. Uh, but there is a an Irish pub called the Blarney Station Pub. It is directly across the street from the East Rutherford train station or the Rutherford train station. I have no idea how long it's been there, uh, but I walked in and I ordered a burger and it was great. And you know, my favorite part about it was Mm. they had an, you could either get regular bacon or you could get Irish bacon. Oh, I love Irish bacon. And they took it so far on their menu as to actually separate them out. So it wasn't like you could have this bacon or that bacon. It was, Here's the American bacon cheeseburger, and here's the Irish bacon cheeseburger. Like, they acknowledge that it is two different items. And for those of you who don't know, the difference with Irish bacon is it's from both the back and the belly meat, not just belly meat like we do here in America. And it's not smoked. It's just cured. So it has a different texture, and it has a different flavor. But I love proper Irish pub burgers with proper Irish bacon. What's the difference between Irish bacon and Canadian bacon? Uh, Canadian bacon is more like ham. Oh, fine. But I, I'm not a bacon expert other than I am really a fan. But pro- proper Irish style pub burger, which I believe is a actual form of burger, like you might have a slider or a fast food burger, California style or gourmet, whatever, chef inspired. I believe that Irish pub style is an, is an actual form of burger. I would love to see an article by you about the proper Irish pub burger. <laughs> I think I put something on Schweidenson's Instagram. Oh, really? Okay, I'll check that out. <laughs> How about you, Brad? Any good burgers lately? Um, yeah. Yesterday, I had a burger at a new place, cool place in on Madison Avenue, sorry, Fifth Avenue, called Uncle Sam's Burgers. Oh, I have been there. Mm, so you know. I got the Koreatown Burger. Mm, let me explain a bit about it. It's uh, a Chinese franchise that has come to America to serve us East meets West style burgers. They're not the first place in New York to do this. Um, there used to be a joint called Social Eats um, in in uh, or in the same area, actually. It's been closed for a couple of years now that was doing Korean-style burgers. And uh, you can get a Thai burger down at Gum in the East Village. But this is the first, I think, fast, casual Asian-style burger place. They have American-style burgers, too. And they're good, man. I mean, the food is good. I got some loaded tots. They were great. I tried the chicken sandwich. It was good. But the Koreatown burger had a nice little kick. Good kimchi that that won't like scare away people who are uninitiated to things like kimchi, um, and and solid beef and uh, you know it was a, on a Martin's potato roll, just a good solid lunch burger. It's not that big, definitely more for lunch than for dinner, but um, I'm a little jealous of the crowd that gets to eat there at lunch on that in that part of town. Uh, I did like the burger there in particular, though I was all about the like the loaded fries. Yeah, was- I got loaded tots. I mean, the loaded is loaded. 
what is it? It's like scallions and Sejuan chili and sriracha sauce. And I mean, it's a mouthful. It's definitely a mouthful. Yeah. They also, they also make their own, you know, in-house uh, sriracha potato chips, which are pretty good. Oh, I didn't get that. We, we, we have to go back, Brad. What do, you, what do you think? Do you think that Americans are ready for, uh, you know, Asian influenced fast casual hamburgers? Yes. I mean, I want to say, yeah, there weren't a ton of people in there when I went, but I think I also went on kind of a weird time. Um, if they're not ready, then they're dorks and they should, this is the city to check it out, man. I mean, it's, it's essentially in or near Koreatown. They got to just get in there. Just give it a shot. You'll dig it. It's just like, how many times can you go to five guys? I like five guys as much as the next person, but how many times can you go get the same gigantic bag of fries? Uh, the answer is once a month, but, um, okay, I think I, I, for me it is, I, I think the five guys comparison is pretty good though, because it really came off as like that kind of style, but with this really crazy, you know, menu influence from, from another part of the world. Most definitely. There's a review of it up on burgerweekly.com right now. So check it out. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of like, bite and share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidensons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.